27 Sequel Jurassic Park, one minute time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And today we're back here to start the week with 115 of The Lost World. David SDCC has been on this week and we've got some great looking figures on the way. Oh, we have some incredible stuff going on. Um, so, from what I've heard, the plan is like 18 new species going to be released throughout the next upcoming year. And when we actually got a sneak peek from Mattel about some of the species that we're going to get. Uh, looks like they showed off the in-package pictures of the Anatomy Rex, which uh, looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be it's actually quite a bit bigger than I thought it would, than I expected it to be. It looks to be maybe on par with the Thrash and Throw, maybe a little smaller. I don't know. But yeah, it looks pretty good. We also got... Uh, Another Rex coming. It's the Chomping Rex repackaged with a... Looks like one of the guys from the opening scene of the movie. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And then we got news of something that I know Jurassic Park fans have been wanting for a while. More herbivores. One Styracosaurus and finally Sauropods. <laughs> we brought it up a few well, a few months ago about how much we just wanted to see a big sauropod. Mm-hmm. Whether it was going to be the Brachiosaurus or Apatosaurus, probably uh, at that time it was looking to be more of an Apatosaurus just because of its role in Jurassic World and um, mm-hmm. and that. But no, we're getting a big Brachiosaur. Oh yeah, this this thing is definitely like two scale with the other items. It's not super colossal scale, but it is bigger than the super colossal T Rex. <laughs> yeah, just looking at this slide here with the uh, the human. Just a silhouette mm-hmm. with um, how big the human toy is. And one of the pictures that we got here taken, I think, by one of our friends who are, who is at Comic Con right now, shows an Amargosaurus as well. Mm. It's a spiny-backed uh, sauropod from Argentina, it's scaled with a human figure, which the uh, the rep from Mattel who looks to be announcing it on the screen, it looks to be about actual size. So looking at the guy, the, rep- the Mattel representative speaking in the picture about the um, the reveal and then having the silhouette here actually in person, I mean, it's massive. I mean, this thing looks like it'll be, ha- it'll pop- I'm guessing uh, legs will be attached and the neck will be attached and possibly the neck would probably be like the similar rubber that is on the tail of the Colossal Rex. Imagine if it was a real feel like the Mosasaur. <laughs> well, that's what I think. It's got Colossal Rex and the and the um, Mosasaur both have that re- real feel skin type on it, which I th- I bet the neck will be on the Brachiosaurus. Maybe even the body, but I'm not sure about that. <laughs> Obviously, I don't have either. <laughs> My Mosasaur didn't top <laughs> in the mail this week, which I'm annoyed about. But uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm just trying to think. I've got the Horizon, Jurassic Park Horizon Brachiosaur, and the human characters would pretty much come up. You couldn't, you wouldn't be able to stand the Brachiosaur above the human and not have their heads touch its belly. So this looks to be bigger than the Horizon <laughs> Brachiosaur. Yeah. Which, and the Horizon Brachiosaur was still pretty big. Mm. You know, I I look at some of the pictures of it that I've seen in other people's collections, and unfortunately it never graced mine. But, yeah, it, it, this does look to be about bigger than that. 
and it's also good too here we're getting these new new dinosaurs in the dra- like unless unless the, it's an animal in the Jurassic line um, or in one of the mm-hmm. films there's a lot a lot of other animals that are popular but don't get figures unless it's third party or just cheap mm-hmm. cheap crappy mass produced stuff and it's just great that we're going to get more animals in this Jurassic feel mm-hmm. with this engineering and everything whether or not they've well, got the JP stamp on or Jurassic World stamp mm-hmm. on the bottom of them or not but well uh, like I just, like we are seeing at this SDCC reveal is we're getting more than just what uh, we typically see in the movies we got the Amargosaurus uh, silhouette here next to the Brachiosaurus and then I saw a render of the Styracosaurus toy, which looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Nice. Looks like it's going. To, it's got the uh, same posability as the Triceratops. Uh, so that yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm not sure if, uh, what the action feature will be. If it'll be the same as the Triceratops, or if they'll go with something different. But I don't know. That looks to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward. It's definitely going to go to my uh, B. It's definitely going to be a buy for me. And I just got to say, I'm very happy with Mattel. They've done a magnificent job. Well, that's it. Even for its size, that Brachiosaur is probably going to be $40, $45 or something. I'd assume it will probably be around the same as the Super Colossal. Yeah, yeah. Which is around $45, $55, which isn't bad. But considering the size of the toy, it's still pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And they've said... I think they've pretty much said from day one when they got the license it was going to be ongoing. It's not just going to be here when the the films are here. Mm-hmm. There's going to be constant product on shelves, and it's sort of now, well, definitely here. And now the films out. There's a lot of stores of the Jurassic, the, the Fallen Kingdom line shrinking dramatically. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they got that memo or not themselves, but um, at, here we're going to start seeing now what the next step post Fallen Kingdom is, and we're going to start getting all this new new dinosaurs and we we prayed for a sauropod let's let's see what these next vehicles are going to be <laughs> oh yeah i'm sure i'm it hasn't been revealed yet but i'm i'm getting betting that uh mattel is probably working with ford to get the explorer you it, know? it's yeah it's it's the logical it's, next step they've done the jeeps i mean jeep jeep is something that was kind of it's i'm sure they're easy to work with just because they're always the they're always what you see from Jurassic Park lines. It's been that way since, like, Hasbro all the way back to um, Kenner. And speaking of Kenner, I mean, you mentioned that they'll have the... that this will be something that will be ongoing. We haven't had that since Kenner. Mm. After the Lost World Jurassic Park uh, and after Chaos Effect, it was just... Hasbro never... They never... Uh, they really only ever did the movie lines, you know? Very rarely. I think it was, like, a little bit... For a few years after Jurassic Park 3, they did the JP Dinos and the JP Junior line. And then they just stopped. They had that small little squirt that they kind of popped out for Jurassic Park 3D and then didn't do anything again. And, in fact, they canceled half the line for Jurassic Park 3D. Mm. And then they didn't have anything again until Jurassic World, which we all know was terrible. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's sort of Kenner being Kenner and being in the toy business for a long time. And it wasn't just there where those things were happening. Like, you, you go back to the 80s and that, where in order to sell toys, 
and the mentality was there in order to sell toys you need some sort of um, content shown to advertise those toys whether it was the Sunday morning cartoons or what even any other cartoons that are being shown um, even movies damn by the time I got to the um, oh, I can put, the Schumacher Batmans it was the, oh, whole, yeah. the whole thing was toy sales um, mm-hmm. and that's where with Jurassic once once it went come and gone well that's it there's no you're not going to sell toys or get another bump of toys on shelves when the VHS comes mm-hmm. out 13 months later it's just mm-hmm. it's once it's gone it's gone and even by the time Jurassic Park 3 come around um, same thing there's no there's no Jurassic content out there so drop the toy line whereas now there's there still isn't really but toy toy makers is going well the fans are there and there's going to be once the new film starts to get into gear you start getting plot ideas you start getting sets and all sort of thing well hype's going to start to build but in the meantime you can maybe not have as many waves released as you would during that film's um, mm-hmm. launch but you can still have figures out in the out in the shelves and sell exactly yeah and that's something that kind of really understood was some was even in even between 1983 and i want to say the 90s when there was really zero content for star wars kenner was still producing yeah they still had they even though that the ewok cartoon and the droids cartoon failed miserably and then he kind of little hit a little attempts at expanding the universe was dead in the water. Kenner was still producing toy after toy after toy. And even using those toys to uh, retool for other toys, like um, I want to say oh, that's right, the um, like the Gamorrean guard, those pig guys from Return of the Jedi were repurposed as Friar Tuck. And the Ewok village was repurposed as Robin Hood's hideout or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, then in the nineties, even though there was no movie, Kenner even still came out with the uh, what was it, the Dino Trackers or the what was that guy? with Harpoon Harrison and um, oh, what was it, uh, Doc uh, Jaws Jackson, Dino Raiders? That was it, wasn't that it? Yeah, that, that sounds familiar. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm trying to get some brain cells to fire. I had a twenty-first pay to go to <laughs> yeah, last night, yeah. so. <laughs> My brain cells aren't all firing at the moment, but um, uh, yeah. But that's that's the thing, and not only sometimes it has straight up repaints like Chaos Effect and that going across the lines, mm-hmm. but other times where you're taking something from one line. Um, it happened for Jurassic World. There was that in 2010 or 11. There was that Dino themed Lego sets that come out, and mm-hmm. a lot of stuff there was re well, painted blue for for uh, Jurassic World. Um, like the T Rex <laughs> tracker was in that line. The Tyrannosaur was directly from that line as well, I think. So, and it is interesting looking back at some of those, like um, that Netflix series of toys that made us, and that sort of showed off a lot mm-hmm. of that stuff too. And it's great that that stuff's come to air. Just how much back in the day where they were just trying to get toys to market and approved, <laughs> where they'll taking stuff and rubbing it down, changing changing a pig head to something else. <laughs> and that, but, um, but yeah, so it's going to be good to see what's coming um, the next few. I don't think we'll see anything new again until New York Comic Con in November. Probably not. 
So. No, but if I actually give you said a uh, collector's line, Natalia Shonoff, a superposable Owen Grady, and I'm not sure if it's finished or if it's a prototype for um, a Jurassic Park one. Ian Malcolm. It's not the Lost World version, this is Jurassic Park version. And it's pretty dang detailed. I mean he's got the he's got the little medallion thing that he wears. The shirt's open, it's the belt buckle squared exactly as how it should be. Yeah. I mean it looks great. And then they also came out with blue, which looks fantastic. I mean, it's like they took the articulation of the Indoraptor toy and applied it to a six inch scale blue. And it, looks, oh. it looks fantastic. Just a, just a tangent on that <laughs> again, because my Mosasaur didn't turn up, my opposable um, Indoraptor didn't turn up as well. But I was at Kmart or the shop yesterday, and they had four mm-hmm. of them of the that Indoraptor on shelves, and I got to have a good play with it. And it it is a fantastic toy. I can't wait for it to get here so I can get it out of the box. <laughs> <laughs> Should have bought one, man. Uh, oh, I didn't want to double up on it, <laughs> but um. Is there any is there any idea on size how big these the Owen and Ian Malcolm uh, six are? inch scale six inch okay then, so they are smaller because yeah. I was wondering when I first seen these I'm like oh maybe this is the whole reason why Chronicle pulled back on the humans because they knew Mattel were going to be making something around the same size I'm I'm not sure because speaking of Chronicle and the humans they just revealed a Doctor Grant. And I was surprised at this. I mean, this came out of left field, and I first saw it, and I was like, wait, you mean Iron Studios, right? And they said, no, no, this is this is Chronicle Collectibles. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it is. It's a different pose, but it's Grant with a flare. And it's just like, why would you do this when you are you have this exact product being sold by Iron Studios through you? Yeah, you, know? you can buy it individually, too. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. But I suppose that that Grant figure's been floating around for a little while, and I suppose we'll we'll probably readdress Chronicle and some of the stuff they had next week because mm-hmm. it's still the event's still on now, time of recording on the weekend. So once press releases and all that are sent out during the week, we can report a bit more on it um, next next or next week. But it's that 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 I think it was this time last year, it might have been the year before, where we first seen that they had the Owen and Blue, and they had that Doctor Grant there, and I remember they'd done an interview on. Outposts at the time with the designers, and they said they'd love to do Hammond, Nedry, Muldoon, and do the whole mm. cast. But they'll, well, you yeah, Grant Grant was pulled, <laughs> and the reason it's been so long is pulled at the time because they weren't happy with the face sculpt, and I don't think Sam Neill had given the given the okay on it. So there was holdups there with um, the sculpting, and that's why it's sort of again another year it disappeared and it's come back out again. Because that, apart from the face, that figure looked fantastic. The clothes look fantastic, and I've mm-hmm. I've got a couple of the Hot Toys figures here, which is the same market they're going for. Um, and that's what I was sort of thinking. Well, maybe that Mattel's going to collectors line. There's no need to double up, but if it's a different scale, then it's not going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Well, plus, I mean, you're talking the the difference between high end collectible oh, yeah. and uh, collectible yeah. toy, you know. Yep. Yeah. And I suppose. And then you have high-end collectible toy that, like, yeah, yeah. And I suppose too, if um, if Chronicles selling the Iron Studios grant on their behalf, they're not getting the full profit from that. They'd be having having to pay something to Iron Studios. I'm I'm sure most of the profit is going to Iron yeah. Studios. They're just uh, 
Columbia, I'm sorry, not Columbia. Uh, Chronicle is just the distributor, so I'm sure they're only getting a small portion of the profit versus all of it. And that's yeah, and even um, uh, someone from Pedia, who it's Matt's there, isn't it? Yeah, he yeah. um had a video of just the walkthrough of the Fallen King or the Jurassic World booth there. And I could see there's a brachiosaur mm-hmm. there. I'm thinking, oh, did they, have they just brought the Horizon one out as sort of window dressing, or is there a brachiosaur? So I don't know if that's the same one, or I'd have to have to ask him. But when he's sort of moving the camera around where one of the fence sections is, you can see there's a brachiosaur sitting there on the shelf. Was it a like a toy, like a complete toy? Was it? Oh, you or? can't. There's not enough detail just because again, the, like the video is on the phone, and you're sort of moving it around. Um, uh, he, he linked that video in the chat. You can go back have a look at it later and have a look. But yeah, so it's, it's definitely good stuff to see. We'll report more on any other stuff we've missed in the upcoming minutes. But it's definitely exciting. Where's that? Where's that RV? <laughs> Come on! <laughs> Come on, guys. You know you yeah. want to. Yep. There you are. Alright, uh, ready to get into minute 115. Yep. As we in minute 114 of the Lost World, Sarah got to a high vantage point with the tranquilizer rifle and was loading a dart into the breach. As we open on minute 115, she chambers the dart and brings the gun up to aim at the Tyrannosaur. Above her, a helicopter flies overhead with a rifleman hanging out the door, preparing to shoot the animal. At the 8 second mark, we cut to the helicopter's point of view, looking down at the ship as the cargo bay doors slowly closed, and the wreckage and chaos that surrounds the area. At the 13 second mark, in a very slow motion shot, we get the dart fired from the tranquilizer rifle. Hidden the mark on the tranquilizer's neck. The animal roars and starts to lower its head as the cargo bay doors close above it. 22 second mark, we cut to Ian, breathing heavily, water running down his face, relief that it's over. At the 46 second mark we get another helicopter flyover, this time of the entire ship itself, from bow to stern, and as we move over the cargo bay doors, they close with a thud, and inside the baby Rex roars. And as the minute ends we get a quick shot from CNN Live of the venture steaming across the ocean. As we in the last minute Sarah had uh, loaded the dart into the uh, tranquilizer rifle, and here we got the a shot I really like of her sort of taking aim, and you got that chopper sort of it's I'd call it crab walking, but it's flying, so I don't know what you'd call that that sort of side hovering as it's coming overhead. And hovering? we get that <laughs> yeah, well it's hovering, but it's sort of hovering sideways like that sideways uh, angle. It'd be yeah. crab walking if you're on land, but <laughs> anyway, the helicopter comes overhead, and it's sort of a weird little cut here where it's sort of doing that over the top of Sarah, and then we get a shot from the uh, the helicopter as it just appears to be circling. Whether this is a, it seems like it's a different helicopter, not the one that's taking aim, but you can clearly see there's a guy in the doorway with his rifle, ready to take a shot at the Rex. But it gives a good sort of view down at the deck of the ship as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was the real ship I, that they're using here. Then the Rex, of course, was just a CGI stand-in. Mm. Yeah, and just they didn't have to do much to it. They've they've had this. Um, fill-in dock, or wooden dock they've built around it as the ship's parked there and sort of put the T-Rex cage on the top and and just the lighting as well. 
There's there's a big light source reflecting off the water too, which is weird. It's sort of illuminating. It looks too bright to be the moon. No, no, but there are, there are spotlights all over the deck of the ship, so... Yeah. I don't know, maybe that's reflections off the water back onto the ship? I don't know. And plus, there's, of course, there are lights on the pier, aren't there? Yeah, yeah, but this one, like, it's a big... A big round circle of water reflecting or light reflecting off the water at the back corner of the ship. Mm. It's all, uh, well, it could be another helicopter with a searchlight pointed down too. Could be. Oh, this is what I'm going to talk about here. Um, it's, from the viewpoint too, you can sort of see how far the wooden dock extends out from that um, main concrete dock where the cranes and that are. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mention it last week when we were talking about the shipyard um, with the wooden dock being an addition to it to sort of build around the ship and not have the ship crash... Because it was only a miniature that crashed into it. I think this has all been built around the ship park there. Yeah, yeah, that is. Well, in the, in the originally in the storyboard uh, art, there we got the ship uh, smashed into uh, along the side of the dock and smashed into it that way. It didn't actually mm. hit the dock head on. And so I kind of wonder if that's a holdover from that too. Yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing is too, and we sort of when we seen that. Um, computer image of the venture approaching the dock out showed it, it seemed to be facing open water uh, this dock mm-hmm. area isn't there's a channel a channel there and as we get um the flyover in a minute you can actually see there's marker boys and that on the top right hand side and you can see the other side of the the channel there <laughs> so they would have had mm-hmm. this whole channel blocked off for filming one night because it's only about 20 yards from the back of the ship to the other side of the the channel mm-hmm. Well, like I said, the um, in fact, the dock here is kind of almost exactly like the storyboard in a way. Mm. The ship is smashed into the side of it, whereas when we for, first saw the ship arrive, it smashed headlong into it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, well, especially when Ian and Sarah jump off that side, there doesn't seem to be much dock there. It's sort of just cut the side of the dock off when mm-hmm. it's crashed mm-hmm. um, and not just gone straight into the middle of it, but... But then, and then that's another thing too of using this location when I actually filmed it and that that computer map where it's supposed to be San Diego and it possibly does face the open ocean and that's why the cruise control brought the ship in mm-hmm. without any instances or collisions. But um, yeah, Sarah fires the uh, tranquilizer and we get our only slow-mo in the franchise, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, I want to say so. I mean, that's very slow-mo. The, it's just like, Almost frame by frame of the... Uh, yeah, it's super slow-mo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of the dart, and he exiting the uh, the barrel of the dart gun and smacking right into the um, T-Rex's skin, which when I was, when I used to think that you couldn't actually see the dart in the, in the skin of the T-Rex, but if you watch it, you can see the skin around the T-Rex kind of um, flutter a bit. As the dart makes as the dart makes its mark onto the T Rex's neck, and then you can actually see the fuzzy tip of the uh, dart moving around along the side of the T Rex. It's actually pretty 3D there. Mm. Yeah, you get that little bit of a skin ripple as the, the impact of the mm-hmm. dart, and it sort of it reminds me back to the, the first novel where um, the darts for that they use on the Rex there are launched from a <laughs> from bazooka, <laughs> which or a rocket launcher, which um, mm-hmm. okay that probably doesn't make much sense, but the fact that the darts are like the size of a cream bottle, like they describe them, like large in your hand, where these darts are just these little 
thin glass vials <laughs> with a bit of red yeah. fur on the end. I don't know how much that would impact the uh, Rex's skin. True. Especially like in Fallen Kingdom where we get that scene and mm-hmm. um, it's implied that you've got to do it with some force. Well, in this, in the uh, Fallen Kingdom, he actually says that while the he uh, he Owen actually remarks while the skin is really thick, it's and I'm mm. sure it's like rhino hide but thicker, you know. I mean, these, yeah. these are animals that live in an environment where they're constantly in battle and in competition with each other. They'd have to have that thick kind of skin, you know. Yeah, and it it also makes sense why why the Rex can be slashed on the neck with by the raptors or mm-hmm. um, bitten around the neck by the Indominus Rex and not just bleed out and die. Like, they've got to have a tough hide. Right. You know, you imagine the Triceratops and, and spiky animals like that that ram heads like goats and that, mm-hmm. but just the males. Yeah. They, their skin is much more durable than our fleshy, meatbaggy bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, the dart hits its mark, and as the doors are closing, it lets out that roar, and uh, acknowledging it knows it feels like it's got the little mozzie bite in its neck. Mm-hmm. But, um, there's a little bit of a size issue going on here. Earlier when we seen it in the hole with Ludlow, it was completely inside. The doors were closed. We're here. It looks like it's standing up above the height mm-hmm. of the deck again. Well, I think well, I think it did was it kind of went down the ramp. And then turned around because we see it. Because the last time we saw it, it was facing into the. Mm. Uh, it was facing into the hold, and now I think it stood back up and kind of went was about to go back up the ramp to just kind of have that, you know, have that well, especially, watch over her, his son, you know. Yeah, especially now too, because the helicopters are on the scene. The noise would probably draw his attention. I'm sure. Well, he, yeah. that's why I was where I kind of thought it was doing when it was um, at the beginning of the minute when the T-Rex roars at the helicopters. That's what I just kind of felt like it was doing. It was kind of like just go on, shoot, get away from me. I'm, I just yeah. want to in peace. You know. But it also, I suppose, brings up the question too: Why is that ramp in that hold? We know the ship's got a crane there where it would have lifted cargo in and out of the hold. That's its mm-hmm. whole purpose for being there. The Rex was put in a cage up on the deck. There's no vehicle ramps or it like, especially because the ramps got like the the rise or the risen section across, much the same as you'd have on a ramp on a horse float or something. So an animal could walk up and down it without slipping over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, it, it, it takes up a lot of space. <laughs> that, that is a good point because. In the behind the scenes, the T-Rex animatronic itself was so large that they, and so heavy, it was built on a track that moved back and forth about like a, like 80 feet, I think. And the animatronic itself was the weight of a full-grown T-Rex. It was nine tons. They, mm. they couldn't just move that around on the set. They had to bring the sets to the T-Rex. Yeah. So that whole part in the with the animatronic there is a set that they built around the T-Rex. Yeah, because it, it's it, like it's it's possibly explained more in the shooting script where when the Tyrannosaur comes back, it sticks its head down into the hold because it mm. can't get in there, and that's probably because there's no ramp. Yes, there might be stairs along the side that Ian and Malcolm, uh, Ian and Malcolm, Ian and Sarah were able to get the baby down, and that's what Ludlow went down as well. But just the fact that a third of this hold is just a big ramp that goes down, <laughs> mm-hmm. it just yeah. Uh, it seems like a waste seems, of space too. Yeah, like there's no. 
it just it looks like it's a solid area like there doesn't appear to be any space under it or behind it mm-hmm. and these are the only doors that lead to a hold like what's and it's at the very rear of the ship too like there's a whole front of the ship that what what's there <laughs> with no access from the roof or from the deck mm-hmm. I think I, I mentioned this when we first brought the Rex back to San Diego it seems like a pretty poor designed ship to be bringing back multiple animals on cages yeah. you can't stack no, the Arcadia in Fallen Kingdom is... It's like an offshoot of an LPD or some variant of one. And that's mm. it's much a much smarter design because that's something that's designed to bring in hordes of duck boats that launch marines, you know? Yeah. And after letting that film sink a bit more, it sort of makes more sense where when you see it, you go, well, okay, well, we've got all these cages on trucks that are taking up space... But the goal wasn't to save every animal. They were just there to get what they could before the volcano blew. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that was um, Mills's Mills's sort of plan. The DPG might have thought they were there to save every animal, but that was never going to be planned. No. So, but yeah, you've got a massive cargo ship that's designed to be a cargo ship, plus you've mm-hmm. got the container cages stacked on top, which we've discussed in previous minutes, so... Yeah, more more of this logistics issues that we're coming up here with. But um, Ian takes a moment to reflect on on the incident, and we got that nice shot of. It's almost like another. It's not really slow mo, but just everything around him sort of fades out, and you just sort of get that focus on his face. You got that water still beating down his face from when he was in the water before, mm-hmm. and then behind him you see another helicopter closing in with searchlights shining around as well. But um, he slowly turns his head. And looks up at the the rail behind him where Sarah's standing, and the two have a bit of a moment, stare at each other, like it's over. <laughs> We've done it. He's back in his hole. <laughs> and I love how the minute ends here, you know, where we get that slow pan over the top of the venture. We see the ruined cage, and then just as the doors close, the music kind of comes to this finite end. You're like, mm. you know. Yeah, and I, I am glad too that the the sound of those doors booming close is mm-hmm. like louder than it would be. Like yeah. just a signal fly, that's it. <laughs> yeah, and then I like how we get that little roar of the baby T-Rex. He's still alive in there, he's okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But actually Spielberg does something similar with the movie Jaws. He, um, with the way that the movie ends, you kind of get this, like, you get the music just crescendoing to the, t- the not the T-Rex, the shark being blown up uh, by the air canister. And then the music just uh, lowers and gets smoother and smoother and more pleasant as the movie fades out to the credits. And you're just, it's a breather moment. I mean, you got to have it. You've just had this massive climax. you got to just have that time to just deflate and acknowledge what just happened, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I think The Lost World ends much in the same way, a little bit longer on the breather movement, but there was a, there was a pretty big climax, so you do have to have a little bit longer of a breather. Mm. And it's good here, too, if this sort of fly over the top of the ship, you can see in that top right-hand corner, the yellow, the like debris fence that is in the water, with mm-hmm. just to stop stuff floating further up the channel. You can see the channel marker there as well. So, not that wide here as, as you're led to believe, but um, no. 
yeah, you do. I do love how you, after the boom too, you do get the noise, the baby in there, mm-hmm. which, if we're to believe, isn't tranked, <laughs> as we brought as we talked previous minutes. Like it's in there, yeah. and um, Daddy's having a snooze. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, as the minute ends, we um, get a quick snapshot of the ship on the news broadcast. Mm-hmm. Now, I would not like to have been the guy that opened the doors back up. Hey, Frank, <laughs> press this button. There's a T-Rex down there. <laughs> no, you do it, Bob. <laughs> yeah. And, and Yeah, too. And at this point, it's been in and out of his doors a couple of times, so it knows that's how you get out. Uh-huh. I wonder, wonder at what point along the voyage, um, we don't get in the film or in the script, but um, at what point during the voyage, the uh, that drug wore off. Uh, I do not want to got... know. I do not want to find out. <laughs> <laughs> maybe and again it sort of goes back to what happened when it was loaded onto the boat mm-hmm. they gave it a, a counter zone to sort of counteract the effect of the two darts Ludlow, uh, Roland gave it maybe one dart is enough for it to um, to last the trip back maybe who knows we're going to get a bit of a time confirmation in the next minute which doesn't seem quite right but uh, we'll get to that in the next minute mm-hmm I mean, really, who can say the uh, metabolism on one of these T-Rexes here, especially a full-grown male? I mean, that's the problem that um, Sarah brings up when she kind of rants at that engine where you established uh, you established this uh, kind of antidote to an animal and you don't even know its metabolism or how it's going to react. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's something... Um... Also, when Malcolm runs up on that control panel to shut the doors, we've seen when this all started that the doors were opened by the security guy pushing the remote control. Mm-hmm. It's sort of it's funny that yes, it's the '90s, so everything's connected by a cable and not actual radio frequency like it would be now with um, iPads or whatever else. But it's odd too. Under those big buttons and the push to close, mm-hmm. there's five keys there, with the keys still in the in the I wouldn't call it ignition, but the place where keys go into. <laughs> so I don't know if there's like lockouts in place or. <laughs> well, no, there's like like an ignition, uh, like a yeah, ignition barrel there or something. Mm-hmm. There's just five five of these um, keys mm-hmm. sticking out of the console there, and it's just odd. Whether there's safety lockouts or mm-hmm. or what the go is there, but yeah, someone's got to stand there and push that button or. <laughs> to get those doors to open. And you do not want to be that guy. No, you did not. <laughs> uh, anything else on 115 you want to get to before we get heavier today? No, I think we're good. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. You can email feedback to thelostworldminute at gmail.com. Facebook, The Lost World Minute. Twitter, at The Lost World Minute. And Instagram, The Lost World Minute. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to remember. <laughs> Uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures 
require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.